Welcome back to week two of XOXO, right? How to have healthy relationships. I'm so excited to be continuing this series with you all here tonight. You guys have been asking this for a while, right? I feel like one of my favorite parts of being on staff here is meeting with you during, during here or maybe at coffee or something like that and just having conversations and somehow they always point back to relationships or dating. And so because of that and because I love and I care for you all so much, I willingly chose to do this tonight where we're gonna tackle some big and difficult questions that have to deal with dating and relationships. But before we get into that, I think it was super valuable that last week Adam kind of gave a little bit of a preface about something about himself. So a little bit about me. Um, after about four years of dating, a couple months ago, Missy and I got married. <laughs> Woo! Yes, no, thank you. Yes, and that process has made me pretty aware of today's dating culture and climate, and so I'll definitely be weaving my story into, uh, into tonight's talk to help wrap things up, but um, yeah, thanks, Missy. I love you. Yep. So just to recap, last week we took a very clinical approach to dating, saying that dating is the process of evaluating a person. Right? And there's two parts to this, right? There's the process, this is the how to date, and we're going to be covering that next week. And then there's the person, right? Adam talked about the two who's that were involved in dating, right? The you and then the other person. And the you is trying, we all kind of decided that we we're going to try to become people who find our worth and our security and our identity in being followers of Jesus. And then there's the other person, right? We talked about how to date looking for character and not characteristics, right? We look for things like the fruit of the Spirit. Right, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That one's in there too. <laughs> yep. Um, but tonight, we're going to learn how to date. We're, before we're going to learn how to date, we're going to look and to understand why we should have relationships in the first place, both just relationships and also dating romantic relationships. In order to do so, I want to get us all on the same page about how I'm going to approach this topic of relationships from, something that's really key, kind of our framework for tonight. So if you're taking notes, this is going to be important. Right, being a follower, follower of Jesus is countercultural, not a subculture. Okay, when you choose to have and you choose to live out a relationship with Jesus, it creates a new normal for you. Right? How you see yourself starts to change. This carries over into how you see and how you interact with others. And this will continue to change as your relationship with him changes. Right? During his time on earth, Jesus radically worked on to define what a new normal looked like. And it's our mission to continue living out those teachings. And oftentimes, this means going against what other people and the world around us says is normal. Right? Jesus says this in the book of John, that if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Right? If you belong to the world, it would, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world but I have chosen you out of the world, right? The language used here is pretty strong, but Jesus is further driving home the point that we're supposed to live according to a different standard, right? And it's been like this from the beginning, right? All throughout scripture, we can see that people that have been chosen to follow Jesus have chosen to shift our cultural norm, right? And this understanding of our mission to be countercultural is super important because a lot of what I'm gonna say tonight might not make sense in today's times, but, I have a question, right? So how can we apply this countercultural mindset to dating now? Because I feel like we're still very much under the influence of today's culture, right? Of what mainstream culture says is attractive or beautiful or sexy, right? Culture tells us how we can and how we can't communicate with each other, what's okay and what's not okay to do with each other, right? So let's just start off by establishing the culture of today. So what is our culture? 
right? We're living in the age of information where just about anything could be shared instantly with anyone at any time. So naturally, our culture is changing and shifting and being shaped and redefined, mostly by those that have the powers to reach millions instantly, right? What are those people called? The ones that have the blue check marks on their name against social media? Oh yeah, influencers? Yeah, influencers of what? Of culture, right? And my favorite kind of influencers have to be musicians and artists, right? There's a pop popular historical argument that says musicians and music are the main drivers of culture. And man, do I love me some music. So we're going to take a moment right now, and we're going to take a look at the top three songs on Billboard's Top 100s today, just to just kind of paint some landscape about, about the culture that we're living in. So talk about the chart at number one is Lizzo, right? Yeah. Who here loves Lizzo? Yep. Yeah. I knew all the girls would be like, yeah, and the dudes would be like, who's that? But on the inside, they're like, I just took a DNA test, turns out. But... Right? I love what she stands for. She has so much positivity and is actively trying to shift popular perspective of what beauty is. And if you're unfamiliar with her, with her song, Truth Hurts, it has 300 million plays on Spotify alone and over 100 million views on YouTube, which is crazy. And although there are definitely themes of confidence and self-worth that I can get behind, we have to look at the messages that she's promoting alongside of these. Right? There's messages of promiscuity, sexual relationships with multiple people at the same time, not being held down to one person, taking pride and confidence in not being, or in being non-committal. And again, I like Lizzo. I like what she stands for. Right? Please don't hear this and think that I'm trying to knock her because <laughs> simply, I'm just simply trying to paint a landscape of what about 400 million people have listened to. And if we're going to be honest, Missy and I have probably contributed to at least 1,000 of those. So <laughs> just going to leave that there. Right, next song, number two, we have Shawn Mendes. Come on, senorita, Ooh, with 659 million plays and 591 million views. Man, this one hits close to home. Why? Because I love Shawn Mendes. I think he's the next Justin Timberlake. Okay, and our first round of practical dating advice for tonight, guys, if you're older than 30, sing Justin Timberlake, senorita, when you go to karaoke. It hits every time. If you're younger than that, sing Shawn Mendes. And if you're in college joining us, I don't know, sing Old Town Road or something. I don't know what you guys are listening to. But as much as I love Shawn Mendes, this song is really about a love-filled rendezvous in Miami full of tequila and hotel rooms and other things that I'm not allowed to say up here on the stage. <laughs> so, okay, let's look at our third example. Number three for the night, Billie Eilish with Bad Guy. Ooh, this one has almost a billion plays and half a million, jeez, okay. I don't really even want to get into this one, to be honest, because the chorus alone mentions promiscuity and blatant disregard for what I think are very clear social boundaries, like don't hit on someone's dad <laughs> that you're trying to date, and undertones of just depression and self-destruction. And again, I'm not trying to throw stones here. In fact, like I said, I listen to a lot of this music. I'm not even saying for you not to listen to this music. I'm just asking for you guys to be aware of what is often overlooked or even goes unnoticed about the things that are driving our culture, that's all. Just take note of the things that we might not even realize we're absorbing, right? And I'll leave it up to you to decide if the things that we just mentioned will ultimately lead to spiritual goodness in relationships like we talked about last week, or if it will lead to somewhere else. Because as followers and friends of Jesus, we're called to be different, right? We're called not to accept what is shaping us, but instead to, to set a different standard. We're supposed to be countercultural. So then, what would and what should relationships look like? How should we view relationships? Why should we have relationships? Because if we dissect what those songs are telling us about culture, then the goal of relationships is sex, right? And the more that we have it, the more, that, more people we have it with, the less attached we are, the more free we are, the better. 
but our relationships are supposed to serve and encourage and love one another, right? To build each other up, not to be selfish or opportunistic or strategic, but instead to simply be with the way, be with people the way that Jesus would have been with those people, to love, to listen, to empathize, to guide, to convict, to heal, right? In doing so, we're going to create a foundation of relationships built on trust. And who in here doesn't want more relationships where you can be honest and trust, right? These values should be the baseline of the foundation of all of our relationships, right? Trust, love, and encouragement. And being countercultural means that that has to be the relationship or the foundation of our relationships, right? And now that we've kind of established relationships in general, let's go ahead and hone in on romantic relationships. Yep, I'm going to talk about dating. Buckle up, everyone. It's going to get weird, okay? Who else in here has ever looked up what does the Bible say about dating? only to be very disappointed in what, what search answers came up because, frankly, the Bible doesn't really talk much about dating because it wasn't really a thing back then, and in still parts of the world today still really isn't a thing. Um, but it does speak volumes, and it does speak volumes about relationships and godly interactions and godly principles that can, we can apply to dating. Like this, in 1 Corinthians, it says, basically, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. This reminds us that no matter what we're doing, it should be used as a means to glorify God. And if, you, and if we come to understand the Bible, we can really see that it's less about a list of do's and don'ts and more about what's doing, or doing what's beneficial, what's healthy, and what's righteous. For example, in Corinthians, Paul is talking about issues around dating. He says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Well, then what, what does this mean when we apply it to dating? How can dating be done in a way that's healthy, in a way that's righteous, right? Not only to yourself, but to others. Well, it first starts with honoring yourself, right? Honor yourself by setting and maintaining standards that will point you towards a deeper understanding of Jesus. If we focus on our own development and we focus on our own character, then the things that make you, you will shine through, right? You will be presenting a more authentic and a more true version of yourselves. And who here likes fakeness in people? I mean, I feel like in terms of dating, that's like the universal turnoff. Yeah, I know. (laughs) This inward focus on our own character can be hard and will be hard and uncomfortable, and it takes constant work and constant effort. So here's a practical tip. If you're struggling with this, if you're struggling with a lack of confidence in presenting who you are to others, I would encourage you to invite Jesus into those areas in your life where you're feeling shame or where you're feeling insecurity about. If we're actively trying to invite Jesus into those parts that maybe even we're afraid to bring the light where we don't even want to go, guess what? He's going to go in. He's going to enter in. He's going to start to reverse and undo lies that we have held on to as truths. And this will lead you to see yourself in the way that he sees you. And can I say that he just sees you as beautiful? Everyone in here say beautiful. He sees you as lovable. Let's say lovable. Lovable. He sees you as someone that's worth pursuing. He sees you, the entire you, the good, the bad, the beautiful, the broken. He sees you in your entirety, and he loves you for being you. And there is only one of you, right? And this is very intentional. God made you because he needs you, and the world needs you. I think there's a fallacy that we have to be the best version of ourselves in order to date, that we need to be healthy enough, right? This word just gets thrown around so much. Self-health. I don't think there's a magic level of health that you have to have in order to date someone. But I do think that you have to have the ability to see into the areas of your life in which you need growth and that you're just making strides to work on them. That's all. 
right? Just be intentional to have a posture of growth, the growth mindset, and try to better yourself. And this posture of growth, this self-awareness when entering into a relationship will help you avoid so many of the things that lead us to unhealthy dating. So with help of you, or with some of you in this room and some friends back home, both Christian, non-Christian, I asked for people to send me reasons to help define why people should start dating and why people should not start dating. And as you can imagine, I got a wide variety of answers, but I was able to pull together some common themes and threads from them all. So are you guys ready to see those? Let's do it. Here are five reasons why we should not date. Number one, if I date someone, then I will be happy. Man, dating without working on our own character first will only amplify those feelings that you feel. There might be a little bit of a honeymoon period, but at the end of the day, those feelings aren't gonna go away. And can I go a step further and say that marriage will be like a microscope? It's not a fixer, right? Get your happiness and your self-worth from your relationship with Jesus and who he defines you as. Number two, because I won't be lonely anymore. Let's dig into this a little bit further. What is it about loneliness that you're searching for someone else to fill? Is it companionship? Is it someone to talk to at night? Because companionship is precious, yes, but it doesn't have to be found in someone that you're romantically interested in. I do think here that there is something about being pursued or sought after that speaks into our own self-worth and ego. Like, I'm only good enough if people want to talk to me or if they are attracted to me. And I would say, let's let that go. Don't let how others view you or their attraction of you or how, how they see you define you for you and how you define yourself. Number three, but it's cuffing season. I get it, I get it, fall is coming. I mean, pumps and spice lattes, blankets, Harry Potter by fire, it all sounds so nice. But please let's eliminate the societal pressure to tell you when and who you should date. I mean, just start dating really on your own terms, right? Number four, I can fix this person. Man, this, this to me just reads like as a need to be needed. Right? You're going to get some sort of worth in being that superhero, that one that swoops in and saves the day and comes to the rescue. But dating is a two-way street. I mean, value should not come from a need to be needed, but instead a space for both people to share and to grow and to be pointed towards biblical truths. Right? Another person I reached out to said something along the lines of, it indicates more of a power trip, right? that I have all the authority here because I'm in charge and I'm the moral leader. Right? Both of these examples do not create a mutually edifying relationship. And finally, number five, because if I'm single, then there is something wrong with me. Man, do not let this world tell you that if you are not in a relationship, then there is something that's wrong with you, or that you're not good enough, or that you're not pretty enough, or handsome enough, or strong enough, or skinny enough, or fat enough, or whatever it is, whatever enough you are, let's just, let's just, as we talked about last week, it's okay and even honorable to be single. So let's agree that right now as a community, we're not going to continue this pressure, right? And on the flip side of these, here are five reasons why we should date or why we should enter into a relationship. Number one, to learn more about that person and learn more about yourself, right? Dating should not be hard or difficult or pressure-filled. It should just be if you're interested in that person, then just go on a date. So practically, here's some practical advice. If you're interested in asking someone out on a date, make sure they know it's a date. Let's, <laughs> let's just say the word date. I feel like that would clear up a lot of confusion and that's just something that we can just do from now on. And if, if someone asks you on a date, it doesn't necessarily mean that that person wants to marry you. Ooh, unpopular opinion. <laughs> They're simply interested in learning more about you. That's it. 
And if that person does express interest in marrying you after the first date, I'd pray about that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to call this next one life stage. Um, when researching this, I got a lot of different friends from all different circles telling me reasons why we should date, shouldn't date. And some of these all had to do with life stage. Um, they ranged from you should only date if you're ready to get married to if you, you should date because you're trying to figure out who you are and who you're compatible with. And so I would have you consider where in the spectrum that you fall on. Right? I think it's going to be different for everyone. Uh, to you dating or going on dates, that might just be super useful down the line if and when you meet your future spouse. Or you can see dating as a very sacred thing that you want to save for someone that you really can see marrying. I think both of these have upsides and downsides. But I think that we can all agree that it is just so, so difficult to go from single to married without picking up baggage along the way. Right, so I would consider for you what it looks like to have the best practices to eliminate the amount of baggage that we pick up in that process. Next one, number three, because you value them as a person, right? This value should not be what you receive from them, but instead it, it shouldn't be a quick fix to loneliness or status or likes or whatever. And this goes back to the character versus characteristics thing that we talked about last week. Um, please let character be your first filter in deciding who you date. Right, a person with character will not see you as, um, for dating as transactional, but as relational. Right? They will value you for being you and not for what you have to offer them. And in a relationship, there will be room to grow. There will be humility. There will be space um, for imperfection and grace for that. Right? Number four, there's a, com a commonality linking their core value system to your core value system. And I would really hope this core value system would align with the biblical principles that we've talked about in the series so far. Sure, dating can start with common interests or, or hobbies, but at, at its core, I hope, would hope the attraction and the basis of the relationship would be something deeper and that it's the foundation in which you guys are holding on to. Finally, number five, mutual boundaries set with love and respect. Right? Setting and maintaining boundaries is key to any relationship. Right? But especially in dating relationships, I mean, it's so easy for two people to think they're on the same page, but then it's not the case, and they were never really on the same page from the start. So I would please, please encourage you to, to talk about boundaries um, with those that you're considering dating, or take time and periodically redefine boundaries if you're in relationships right now. Right? Boundaries can help grow or help, help leave space for growth by clearing up so much confusion and giving parameters on what's okay and what's not. Right? And if upheld, these indicators show respect and love and support and trust. And if they're not upheld, if there's a, constantly, a constant test there, that means that there's some sort of misalignment within this relationship. And we're going to take the last little bit of time here to dive deeper into boundaries, right? specifically physical boundaries, aka sex and things to do with sex, like porn. There, I said it. Don't make it weird. It's only weird if we make it weird. I'm going to sit down. Dating counterculturally means that we have to make sure that we honor and that we respect ourselves by setting, physical, um, by setting physical limits and boundaries when it comes to interactions with those that we date. And we have to understand the importance of emotional and physical and spiritual boundaries. Right? God's word tells us to guard our hearts because the truth is that everything precious is worth protecting. And you are so incredibly valuable and precious that this means you too. You are worth protecting. Friends, this is a big part of my story. There are years in my life when I would spend under the rules of what mainstream culture and society says is okay. Right? Mostly it was during college, and I lived like a typical college student away from home, kind of loose morally. Um, the culture that I was a part of wasn't based or grounded in loving and respecting others. In fact, it was almost the opposite of that. Right? 
I was part of this club where we were notorious for our giant parties in our fraternity-like house where you could find um, Friday nights and Saturday nights full of everything that you could expect from a typical college party. And friends, I'm going to be honest, it was fun for a time. But after that fun and that excitement wore off, it led me to a sadder and a lonelier place full of broken relationships. And by my third year of involvement in this culture, it left me feeling very, very empty. So empty that it actually led me back to God to fill the void that these things were supposed to be filling. I mean, because of those things, the, by the world standards, those things should have made me very, very happy. Right? We're talking about fun parties, lots of friends, relationships, drunken nights, girls, all of that. But instead, this environment left, left me really exposed for what I really was, which is lonely and broken. Right? Looking back, it's so easy uh, to see how engaging in those things were just quick fixes to work on the insecurities and mass insecurities I had in myself, right? the absence of purpose or the lack of mission that I felt. And for the longest time, I was just so caught up in it that it felt normal, like I didn't really know anything else. Um, and friends, on the topic of sex outside of marriage, I really believe that it's not what God intended for sex. I would encourage you to set boundaries around this and observe them very tightly. Because like I said, you are precious. What you have is precious. Your mind, your soul, your body is precious. Right? I can only give you advice on maintaining boundaries based on my personal experience with it. And so honestly, I felt like every time I was loose with my boundaries with someone, I would come to regret it, especially now. I felt like I just gave them a piece of me. Right? Paul says this to the church in Corinth. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins people commit are outside of the body, but those who sin sexually sin against their own body. Do you not know what your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, you are bought at a price, therefore honor your bodies, honor God with your bodies. And I could really understand what Paul meant about sinning against my own body. And looking back on it, I felt like I gave myself away, gave pieces of myself away. And unfortunately, those are parts of me that I'm never gonna be able to get back. And that's not, that's not worth it. And there are a lot of things that can make sex seem like it's okay or no big deal. I mean, we see it constantly. It's in our music. It's in our books, TV, all over social media. It's everywhere. But I would encourage you not to engage in this, to treat yourself and treat others with that same honor and respect that Paul is talking about. To just set and uphold boundaries around this. And since we're on the topic of sex and respecting other people and boundaries, let me address something that statistically speaking, 79% of men and 76% of men between the age ranges of the people in this room have watched within the last year. And no, it's not a statistic referencing Game of Thrones. Right? Although there were times in that show where it was hard for me to tell the difference on these two things. Right? Yep, it's porn, you guessed it. Um, friends, to say it, say it plainly, porn isn't okay. It is not. It's gotten to a point in our culture where it's almost normal. I mean, according to a recent study by the Barna Group, 90% of young adults were either encouraging, accepting, or neutral when it came to discussing porn in their friend groups. This isn't okay. Let's change this. Let's lead the way in being countercultural. Right? Porn does not display healthy ways to value another person. It's not a shining example of what relationships should be like. In fact, it's desensitizing, it's degrading. It's creating unrealistic expectations about what sex and what love are. And for those of us that do actively watch it, I want to encourage you that is possible not to watch porn, right? Today could be your last day engaging with it. Porn addiction has a way of making people feel powerless. And, and there's a struggle in that. But once you claim that power back over your thoughts, you claim power back over your desires as well. 
And the freedom that you will experience without it will reset your mind to see yourself and to see others in a more loving and kind and encouraging and edifying way. And just a quick side note, as this, as this conversation is probably already uncomfortable, oftentimes porn and masturbation are accompanied. And no, the Bible doesn't say anything explicitly about that. At the core of it, it's lust. So if you can tell me that you can masturbate without lusting, more power to you. If you think it's a better option than to involve someone else, then I would encourage you to think about another option that would be the lesser of these two things. That isn't the lesser of these two things, but instead how you can be victorious altogether in the fight against lust, right? I'm just gonna leave that there. Because you see at the core of dating and relationships and sex, it's just another outlet for us to respect God's love and reflect it, right? It's not the end all be all of life. It isn't the goal, it isn't a marker, it isn't status, it's a gift. Right, something meant to edify, something meant to encourage, to build up and to strengthen, right, to increase our capacity on how to love ourselves and how to love others. I feel like all too often we prioritize our preferences rather than going on a mission with God. Right? It's in our nature to be comfortable and to accept things for how they are. But friends, I want to remind you that being a follower of Jesus, this means that we are countercultural, to raise the standards of how we view and act towards ourselves and each other, to live out biblical standards, and how we love each other and how we see them and have this love and this trust be the foundation of all of our relationships, right? Ultimately, to glorify him and to edify those around us. And with this in mind, let's close in prayer. God, just thank you so much for tonight. Um, I pray that you would really allow us to feel that charge and that mission to be countercultural. God, there's so much goodness in the messages that you send, the love that you want and that you intended for us, God, and the ways that you meant for us to express it. God, I just pray that you would continue to fill this sanctuary community um, with ways that we can love each other and be healthy in that, where we can have boundaries that will all reflect your love. And God, I just pray for those that, um, that are here that this might have been hard to listen to because God, it was very hard to say, but I pray that it was received with love, God, in a way that isn't attacking or convicting, God, but in a way that's meant to encourage, a way that's meant to edify, in a way that's just meant to point and shift our view of normal more towards you. God, I pray that you would be the king in our lives, the king in our hearts, God, because at the bottom, at the bottom of everything, we're doing this because what you say and what you mean and what you intend for us is good. It's good, God. So thank you so much. We pray that you'd be with us for the rest of the service. Amen.